Welcome into episode 64 of the Sources Say Podcast, your go-to Kentucky basketball and recruiting podcast on the Growing KSR Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Pilgrim of Kentucky Sports Radio, and today I am happy to be joined once again by David Sisk of Cats Illustrated. David, how are you? Doing good, buddy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. It's been a long week. I We, we took last week off. Well, I guess we recorded an episode before, you know, right after the Bryce Hopkins commitment or I guess leading up to it to go out right before then and then uh and then that next week I took a little vacation I left went to went out to Yellowstone out west I became a mountain man for the week uh very tough for me to come back but uh we're we're glad to get things back on schedule and and you know get this thing back on back on track obviously big news happened while I was gone in Dana- You've been on vacation not been on quarantine so, <laughs> I know I'm still on quarantine and that's and that's another thing. I, I got to ask you, how the heck are you feeling? You know, let let our listeners know what's been going on with you. Well, I uh, contacted COVID, so I've had that since uh, my wife tested positive Sunday week ago, and uh, I went in obviously in quarantine immediately, and then tested Wednesday, and I got the results back last Friday. So. We're doing this on Wednesday afternoon, and I'll go off tomorrow if everything goes well. Tomorrow uh, night at midnight, so that'll be good, and get back to real life, I guess, on Friday, as real as it can be right now. But yeah, you can. Uh, I tell you, man, you stay hold up and and take a few of the things with it. And I mean, and you can tell it's you can tell it's there. I mean, I'm not being sick or anything like that, but you know, you you, you can get weak. Has the has it been more of a stir stir craziness of not being able to leave your house or or are you know do you think the weakness is definitely you know wh- wh- where do you think that that's kind of stemming from? Well, I think it's both. If you're, if you're kind of used to getting out and and being active and you lay around, you know, I just always kind of feel like you know if you lay around a day or two, you just you start to feel really bad, even if you don't have anything, you mm-hmm. know. So that's part of it. But, you know, there are times, you know, when my wife and I both had it, you're sitting around, all right, we can't go out to get anything to eat. Here we are. We got to wait till somebody gets off work, maybe drop it off the door. And you may be going all day and not have food. So, (laughs) you know, when you're not prepared beforehand, so it's not like we, you know, we had everything stacked. My wife, she went to, as soon as she got off, she went to Walmart. And she called back and said, I've, uh, I've got like, uh, I spent like $300. <laughs> and I'm like, $300? And she just said, what did we get? She said, well, we needed some steak sauce and A1 and <laughs> sauce. And uh, <laughs> needless to say, there was more than that when she showed up. <laughs> well, I am, uh, I'm glad that you're not, that your symptoms aren't too bad. I'm glad you're kind of on this home stretch. How many days left did you say you had until you're, you're able to get out? Uh, I've got, what's it, about 4.30, so I've got roughly about 31 hours. There we go. I, not, not that you're counting or anything. 
No, no, no. Check, check it off the minutes. <laughs> well, there we go. Uh, so we're going to, the way we're going to do this, this episode tonight, um, David's going to come on for the first segment. Sean, Sean's schedule is just absolutely jam packed right now. He's coaching middle school basketball right now. He has a, a, a hell of a basketball team going on right now. They're winning all their games by like a hundred. So we're, so we're going to get him in between his practices. So very short segment from Sean. Uh, so we're going to split this up into two segments, talk about all the biggest and latest news going on but it's still going to be an entertaining show lots to talk about for obvious reasons as I was so I was driving through uh, Lamar Valley in Yellowstone so it's right right below Gardner Montana out in the wild west just beautiful scenery around me you know there were wolves up in the mountains and you know elk and bison right right next to to my car it was just absolute heaven on earth and then I pull off to the side on one of the little pull-out uh, pull spots just in time for Damian Collins' uh, commitment. Pulled it up in the middle of nowhere, watched it on, on his Instagram Live. He commits to Kentucky. Uh, and so, you know, just as, as good of a, of a vacation as a trip it was and as much as I enjoyed disconnecting, it's always a good, it's always a good thing to get another U.K. basketball oh, commitment. Was that Wyoming or Montana? Uh, it's I went to both. I flew into Gardner, Montana, or I guess it was Bozeman, Montana, drove all the way down to Jackson, Wyoming, stayed for three nights and then drove back up to Gardner for the last two for the last two nights. Uh, so at that time, I was technically in Wyoming, but I was I was in both both Montana and Wyoming for for the week. Just couldn't recommend it enough. If you're thinking about going out west, it's just just heaven on earth it's just so beautiful so much to see so many animals i i just couldn't recommend it enough i love it so yeah so i'm out there enjoying it and then i get the great news that damian collins is a fish is officially a kentucky wildcat he uh we had him on this show just a couple weeks ago he taught he told us that he was you know kind of thinking about signing during the early signing period with you know his coach told us that the, the the recruiting process was kind of weighing on him a little bit and that, that he was kind of stressing him out. He was, he was kind of wanting to get this thing over with David. We we've, we've talked several times behind the scenes. Um, we could kind of tell that this was coming. This was definitely something that, that when, when uh, news leaked out that he was going to be making a commitment within the week uh, that, that this was not a surprise at all. No. And it, it got more and more uh, like that, you know, really in the last week or two, before he committed, uh, a lot of people throughout the recruiting world were saying that. And then I started hearing from people who cover other programs who were saying the same thing, that uh, the programs who were uh, in it against Kentucky, the coaching staffs are basically conceding, you know, that's what he was going to do. He was going to be a wildcat. So um, everything kind of played together. And like you said, there wasn't a whole lot of, of uh, intrigue, you know, in the last couple of days before he committed. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, the the suspense factor. I, I'm going to be totally honest. I pre-wrote a, the the commitment article on KSR. I pre-wrote it the night before I left for Wyoming. So the night that Bryce Hopkins committed to Kentucky, I um, I had that article pre-written as well, and then I, I went on went on and, and got that ready to roll because the the buzz of him committing to Kentucky was was 100% out there. This, I knew it was, this was the easiest one yeah. by far. I mean, when you, you look at Hopkins and uh, you look at Scott Clark and then you go back, Hickman was the surprise. The other ones, there was some back and forth. Uh, and even going back into last year, 
I might say it's the easiest recruitment that Kentucky's had to get a player, maybe going back to B.J. Boston, uh, where we kind of knew beforehand that B.J. was going to do that and heard it weeks before. So, you know, and I think that was July of 19, if I'm not mistaken. So, you know, I think you basically got to go back 15 or 16 months to find that one as really as cut and dried uh, for Kentucky to get a big-time player. Yeah, and and I think this is something that – at one point, I mean, it was a guarantee. It was a lock back, back in August. He was done deal to Texas. He was going to commit to Texas at some point that month, you know, within with you know within the first couple of weeks of August. And then the Jay Lucas news happened. He he ended up going over to you know going to to Kentucky, and and you know that shift happened. Kind of made him you know take a step back in his recruitment and go, okay, what do I really want to do here? And then Oklahoma took over as the overwhelming favorite there for a couple of weeks, you know, maybe even as much as a month midway through September, I guess early September or so. Um, that I mean there was full on buzz that he was that Oklahoma with, you know, Bajan Cortez and he you know he had some some close friends committed there uh, that that they had picked up all of the recruiting buzz at, at that point. So it wasn't an easy get for Jay Lucas, John Calipari, and the staff, at least, at least you know, in the long haul. Oh, in recent weeks, I mean, we, we, I mean, he flat out he came out he came on this show. He told us that he'd been watching the NBA bubble. He said that you know, John Calipari. I think his coach the exact quote was, "Kentucky has the perfect pitch. There's not a better." He he said it's the greatest pitch ever. Uh, where it was just basically, you come to Kentucky and you're going to get, you know, you're, you're going to be prepared for the NBA by the time you're ready to leave. I mean, there's just no, no other way to put it. The, you know, the proof is in the pudding, watching the NBA bubble, watching the playoffs, watching the finals. John Calipari and his staff just flat out know how to, re- how to recruit, develop, and get you ready for the, for the league. And that's just a, a pitch that Oklahoma didn't have. It's a, it's a pitch that Texas – they've had in recent years with, you know, guys like Muhammad Bamba and Jackson Hayes and, you know, some others, but one could argue that Jay Lucas was a big part of those, those previous commit, you know, with those previous big men, uh, you know, developing and, and, and doing so well at Texas and he's now Kentucky. So when it, when it came down to it, there, I mean, there just really was no other option, but Kentucky, especially in those last couple of weeks. Um, now in terms of, of Damian as a player and what, you know, what he's going to bring to the table on that front, you know, he's, he's drawn comparisons to Anthony Davis. He has that elite defensive potential, David, what, you know, what would you say is, is his biggest, you know, the, the biggest reason why Kentucky fans should be so excited about his addition? Well, I, I think uh, maybe making a, a closer comparison than that would be uh, uh, Isaiah Jackson. In fact, on our Cats Illustrated podcast, it was, I think, Justin ended up uh, titling it uh, Isaiah Jackson 2.0. And, uh, you know, everything that I've heard, uh, you know, Isaiah, when when he came uh, up, I know Eric Bossy at that time called him one of the best pure shot blockers, God-given shot blockers that he's ever seen. And I know just going back and, and listening to others now that have seen him come in, I'm talking about Damien. They think uh, he's maybe more talented at that than Isaiah was. You know, just his, his when you look at his vertical, uh, the, the uh, arm length, everything that he reach 
everything that he's got, his intangibles and measurements are just absolutely off the charts and are better than what Isaiah has. Better vertical, longer arms. And, you know, you look at his pitchers, if you can find anything in a pitcher that, you know, from his ankles up, because that's about <laughs> how long his hands stretch. I mean, his arms look like they're photoshopped. Yeah, they they really do. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, and you got to remember, this is on a 6'9 kid. It's not on a 6'1 guy. Yeah. So you put those, I mean, just almost just like uh, his arms are not supposed to be that long on a human at 6'9. <laughs> and then, in fact, some guy can jump out of the gym on top of it. So, yeah, he, he offers – I think Kentucky's going to be fine in rim protection for the next two or three years uh, defensively. And so, you know, he can rebound, he can run the floor, he can do he block shots, and that's what John Calipari wants in his big man. You know, the offense will come, but I don't think he's necessarily worried about a freshman coming in having all the offensive tools. He wants a guy who physically can run, can play in a screen and roll game offensively. But like I said – can rebound and, and block shots and, and, and protect the rim. And I think that's what you get. And, and I kind of compare the situation to that of like Nerland's Noel, where you knew going into Nerland's career at Kentucky that he was not a gifted offensive threat at all. He was going to be a strict, you know, put back dunk, alley-oop, finisher, you know, rim running type guy. That's going to be about all, all you know, he, he was. Uh, and, and Kentucky fans knew that. But because he was just such a polished, you know, just distinguished d- defender, he was our, you know, Calipari could work with off, you know, they, they could work with that. But the defense was already there the day he set foot on campus and, and, you know, the, the more you talk to his coach, you know, his coaches and, and those close to him, you know, it's that same level of, yeah, the offense is still a work in progress. You know, he's, he's doing the thing where he likes to float a little bit on the perimeter. He likes taking jump shots. He's bringing up the, the ball to the floor every once in a while. You know, he, he's expanding his game. He's, he's working on his offense quite a bit. But everybody you talk to says defense is there. There is nothing else that you need to need out of his defensive skill. I mean, he's just that polished, and and you know the timing is down. And I mean, obviously he has a seven foot five wingspan. I mean, just every little tiny detail about his defensive game is is there. And I mean, there's just so much value in having a guy like that. I mean, think think of these early scouting reports and and these early practice reports that we're getting from this upcoming team, where. You know, I think the very first interview we were able to do with, uh, you know, the UK is doing the preseason media guy, you know, media interviews. And I believe it was Davion Mintz said that like the first day of practice, nobody was able to finish a layup because Isaiah Jackson was just such a monster on the defensive end. Olivier Saar was such a monster on the defensive end that, you know, that's literally the best thing about this upcoming team is that they're just so polished defensively already that it, I mean, it's just hard as heck to to score on this team already and games haven't even begun. So when you look at a guy like, like Damian Collins, knowing what, you know, knowing that that's already a, a set in stone thing, the defense is absolutely already there. I mean, it just gets you so excited for the future and, and what else, you know, what else he can add to his game and what he's going to be by the time he gets to, you know, gets to college. I mean, he's already ranked, I believe, number 10 overall over at Rivals. Um, and, you know, I'll ask, I'll ask that. What do you think is his ceiling in, in terms of ranking? Do you think 10 is about where he's going to, you know, hold firm at or do you think there's any any room for for movement up yeah I think there's some movement but it's hard to say simply because of COVID 
you know, not getting out and getting to see players live. Um, you know, they don't play a national schedule. Um, I live where I'm at probably about seven and a half hours from Texarkana. And um, – but wouldn't be far – much farther than people on the western side of Kentucky from Bowling Green West. And uh, so, I, you know, I looked at that. But, you know, their schedule basically is, you know, against other public high schools, you know, in the northeast corner of Texas. So uh, I don't know how much he will get to be seen. And, and that just has a lot to do with it now because, you know, even no matter which company you work for, whether it's Rivals 247 ESPN, I think all those guys will tell you that it's just really tough to rank right now because you don't get to see people live. But, you know, obviously, you know, he's a top 10 type talent. So I, I just wouldn't put too much into that. And, you know, when he gets into college, he's just got – even starting now, he's putting on weight as any high school player would do, you know, get bigger, put on weight, stronger, uh, develop offensive uh, tools. Uh, I don't think a lot of that he'll necessarily need to be his freshman year, but as he gets older, he will. Uh, and, and then it just becomes a work in progress. But you can't gauge how good he is right now or how good he's a freshman to potentially how good he, good he could be with all these intangibles. Absolutely. Now, kind of taking a step back and looking at the the grand scheme of things with with this recruiting class, they got they got Nolan Hickman locked up as their first guy, full consensus four star prospect, kind of jumping in the rankings. But you know, anywhere from that you know forty overall to like seventy five, and he's he's anywhere in that range. Bryce Hopkins is committed. He's anywhere from thirty to you know, 45 or 50 range. And then, you know, so they got their two role player type type level guys. Then Damian Collins comes in consensus top 15, top 20 player ranked as high as number 10 in the nation. You know, what do you think about the foundation of this class? And what do you think, you know, what what's next for Kentucky? You know, where do you think they need to go to to kind of establish itself as, okay, this is going to be yet another number one, level number one or number two level recruiting class overall what, what would you what, what do you think is that next step both rivals and 247 have Kentucky ranked third uh in recruiting classes well rivals uh they're only behind Michigan and Florida State and uh, Kentucky's so they've got two four stars and a five star their average star rating for a player is 4.33 Kentucky's, or excuse me, Michigan's number one right now, like I said, they have five commitments and all five are four stars. So that's the, uh, that's the issue right now. I take that back. Caleb Houston added to that. So that's going to change. I'd look there before they got Caleb. So that, that'll change right. just a little bit. But um, so you've got that. Now, if Kentucky were to add, let's say, Scott Clark, come out today and said, I'm going to reclass and go to 2021, then Kentucky would go to number one in the class just because their point – I'm not sure how they add up the points to this. Kentucky's got like 2,500 points among those three. But Sky Clark would add 900 points, and I think they were only like 400 behind, something like that. So they would easily go in the first place. So uh, 
you know, Duke's going to add players. You know, they're going to probably – they may get Patrick Baldwin Jr. You know, so you look at that. I don't know if Michigan's going to add anybody else. Florida State's got a lot of recruits. I don't know how much more they're going to add. So, I, I think this is definitely a top-five class for Kentucky. Uh, like I said, you look at 2022 recent classifications. You look uh, – I think Hunter Salas is a big one that they're kind of looking at right now. And, you know, you had talked about uh, – and I noticed it too. I went back this morning. I had some time down, and I watched the uh, the uh, interviews yesterday of, of Jay Lucas, and it was noticeable that he said, we're hoping maybe we can keep this recruiting momentum going in the next few weeks. Right. Uh, early signing period starts a week from today. So they've actually got from the day till early signing period's over. They've got exactly a two-week window. So, you know, that was noticeable with what he said. Um, <clears throat> you know, Podzimski, Brandon Podzimski, there's a lot of talk about him, but – it sounded like he was going to wait. I talked to his AAU coach last night, you know, through a text. And it sounds like he never said it, but he said he'll be do it when he's ready. And it just feels like it's early on in his recruitment. Um, but you never know. But it also sounds like Hunter Salas could wait. Uh, I, I think maybe uh, what Kentucky's trying to shoot for here is can they get one of these guys? And I think it would be maybe a Salas. Uh, where they would say, hey, will you come and do it here in the fall? You know, maybe really push for that. I would have to think that they're looking to do that. Of course, the Musa Diabate is still out there. But uh, I just have to wonder if they're really trying to push Hunter Salas for a, a fall commitment. Yeah, we we had him on the show right after Damian, I believe. And, uh, and he – kind of seemed pretty adamant that he was going to stick with spring said that he you know he's going to pray pray like heck that uh that he's going to right. be- pray like heck yeah <laughs> uh, that, that he was going to that they were going to be able to take visits and see campuses before before making that commitment uh his coach kind of said something similar that yeah there's some internal push you know slightly to maybe get things over with you know there's some some family dynamic about potentially a, a a, a potential fall signing. Um, but if you ask him and his coach even said, yeah, my gut would probably, would probably be that he sticks with the sticks with the spring just cause he is so adamant about wanting to see these schools. But again, you know, things could change and, and, you know, you, you there's, you got to think of the value in, in having him locked up so early uh, and, and why there would be a push for Cal Perry to get him locked up by the fall, just because, you know, you get the three guys that we already talked about, then you get your your premier guard for the class in in Hunter's house. He's the guy that you go, okay. He's a guy that we can, you know, he he can run the show for us. You know, if Devin Askew returns, or if you know, if Davion Mintz decides to use that extra year of eligibility and return, that's something that we you know kind of talked about in passing, but really haven't thought of as a, as a legitimate possibility. There are other options on the table, but you know, Hunter Salas is the is the the showcase guy. You to have him alongside Damian Collins, I mean, that would be one heck of a start to the class. And then, you know, that I mean, at, at that point, you have your four kind of foundational guys, and then you could just look look at the, you know, the grad transfers. You could look at just the transfer market. You know, there's so much flexibility of, okay, we don't really need – have a lot of needs left over if Lance Ware returns, if Cameron Fletcher returns, if Dante Allen returns. You know, next year, there's just so Here's much more thing. flexibility for Kentucky. The, 
you have some flexibility now inside of Collins because I think you look at, at, at Toppin coming back, and I don't think Isaiah Jackson and Lance Ware will both leave. Of course, you never know at Kentucky. But I think this is one of those deals now. Ever since I've been working with, you know, with Cats Illustrated, the question's not been about guards. It's like, where are we going to get post at? Remember, you know, last March or April, you know, where everybody's like, gosh, where's we got to have a big next year. Where's our next big? And then when Olivier Saar announced uh, that he was going to leave Wake Forest, you know, I remember it. I never will forget it. It was a Saturday morning in the spring. It was cold here, man. It was rainy. And I was outside. My wife had me outside. Uh, 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 spraying down a house on the side. It's like 35 <laughs> degrees and it's raining. I'm like, what am I doing? And so I got, I got my mind off this and check your phone. You see that and you're like, whoa, stop the phones, man. You know, th- this is, uh, you know, this could be news. But now, you know, they're set there, but you look at guards. So, you know, there's a possibility. I mean, Boston and Terrence Clark aren't going to be back. They really don't have the, the stud guard yet. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not knocking these other guys. I'm not knocking right. Nolan Hickman, but Nolan Hickman's not the five-star that's going to come in right off the bat. He's not going to be B.J. and Terrence Clark and Malik Monk and 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 uh, Darren Fox or, or uh, uh, Matt, Tyrese Maxey or anybody like right. that. So, you know, I, I think Salas – He's the guy that's closest to that right now. So, you know, there's a need for them because they, they want to add that difference maker out there on the perimeter. And you get if you get a Hunter Salas, you can kind of do the same thing that Calipari did with the Devin Askew, Kate Cunningham dynamic this past year where you get Hunter Salas, you know he's your premier guy. He knows you're he, – he's – you know he's the, the guy that you have in your back pocket. No matter what happens, you have a star star at hand. You can look at Cade Cunningham's situation as like a Jaden Hardy where you know, all right, we know that the, 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 pro, the pro route is the leader right now. We know that he's leaning that way. He might even be leaning toward like a UCLA or an Oregon, you know, those other options are starting to emerge among, uh, you know, college options, but Calipari can now know, knowing that, you know, knowing that he has Hunter Salas, he can go after that uh, Jaden Hardy of the world, or even, you know, even disregard Jaden Hardy, say a, a, an elite guard, you know, grad transfer, just a transfer immediate eligibility guy comes in, in the picture. It just allows so much more freedom where Calipari can kind of just go all in on a, on a, a superstar option and say, we're good. No matter, no matter what we can still, we can put all of our eggs in one basket instead of having to recruit both at the same time. That's, that's definitely the value in, in getting a guy like Hunter this early. And I've never seen though, a, a group, a 2022 guard, so many, that Kentucky's got a legitimate shot at that maybe – I don't know about reclassification, but you just keep naming guards. I mean, Jay Lucas puts you in play for three or four in Texas right off the bat. The guard class – and I'm talking about elite five-star guards in Texas is off the charts. Mm-hmm. And then you've already got Sky. Then you're talking about Jaden Bradley, and you're talking about Zion, Zion Cruz. And – you know, you, uh, you half a dozen could come to mind. It's where you could, 
maybe locked down two in 2022, you still might have a shot for somebody reclassifying. I mean, you could get three or four of those guys. I mean, it's yeah. legitimate. So uh, it's going to be interesting. And then you look at bigs, you know, Jalen Duran, uh, you know, at, at 2022, not many people think he's going to stay there. Uh, you've got the, the transfer possibilities. Man, there's just so much. And I know on, on the interview with, with Coach Lucas from yesterday, they asked him, one of the reporters asked him about um, looking on down the road at the transfer portal. And he was like, man, it, we don't even know what to make of it yet. It's yeah. just like – you want to get the best options. I think it's a good thing you or me or, or people out there are not the head coach at Kentucky <laughs> because we'd already have 35 players on our roster by now because, of, hey, I want him. He's good. But is he is he the best and is he what you want? I mean, you've got to be selective. It's almost like a draft. Yeah. You, know, you can't take the first, you know, first good looker that comes through the door. You can't load them up, you know. So yeah. it, it's going to be uh, – Man, it's going to be interesting to see, but, man, it's going to be fun because it just seems to me like this year the momentum's there, and it just seems like there's so many options on down the road. I mean, we knew last year by early signing period, man, most of the hay was in a barn mm-hmm. until Olivier Sard came along. But, you know, you've got the number three recruiting class right now, 2021. I mean, you still got still got a ton of options out there in front of you. Well, B.J. Boston committed, and then the week after, Cameron Fletcher committed, and then I believe it was um, Terrence Clark committed just a couple weeks afterward in September, and then it was Lance Ware and Isaiah Jackson in kind of close close proximity. I mean, it was a – once B.J. Boston was the premier main guy, got him on the on, on the tape, you know, on the board, it was boom, 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 one after the after after the other. And it's kind of like how we're feeling right now. We got the Olivier Saar, Jacob Toppin waiver news. The very next day, Sky Clark commits. Uh, just a couple days later, Bryce Hopkins commits. And then just a week later, Damian Collins is, is committed. And then, as we've talked about, you got Hunter Salas potentially maybe, you know, joining joining in. And, and you know, you know what happens with, uh, you know, that Brandon Podzimski kid. And, you know, I mean, there's just so many different options on the table that – I mean, I think there is a reason that Jay Lucas said, you, we, you know, we'll, we want to see what we can do with this recruiting momentum because we definitely have it. And I think somebody else asked him, you know, is is recruiting momentum a, a real thing? Is it a, you know, once one kid commits, is it does it kind of feel like a domino effect, or, you know, a snowball effect? And he said, absolutely. I mean, the, these other kids, if Kentucky is in the news, think about how popular a kid like Sky Clark is, you know, with his 250 plus thousand followers on Instagram and all that, you know, once he his name is in the news and on the bottom ticker on ESPN and you know on every overtime slam magazine you know all, all these major outlets are talking about him in Kentucky every other kid is seeing the seeing those headlines seeing those news and going ah oh, so sky the most one of the most popular kids in high school basketball is coming maybe i should consider that maybe i should you know be more serious about Kentucky i mean it just th- being in the headlines, I mean, there's no such thing as bad publicity. I mean, there's, there's just not. And when when you get a guy like that to commit, and, and I mean, we have seen the ball rolling right now. And, you know, I, I'm going to trust his coaching staff to, you know, potentially keep that thing rolling. I mean, it's things are going very, very well right now. And, uh, and uh, I mean, I can't say anything but good things about, about where things are headed. All right. 
Um, David, we will end with this. Kentucky, out of the blue. So, I believe it was last week, Isaac DiGregorio, a UK walk-on, decides to leave the program. Everybody's like, okay, that's kind of interesting. Why, why does he, you know, why does he decide to leave? And then, out of the blue, Kentucky adds Kareem Watkins, who is Dewan Wagner's stepson, as a as a walk-on guard. I believe he's five foot eight, 145 pounds. You know, average less than 10 points per game as a senior in, in high school. Not you know, not a guy that's going to blow you away with size or skill or or you know production. But there's a lot going on in, the, in, in that signing and the significance of that. And I believe the, the biggest takeaway of that is, is the fact that Dewan Wagner's you know, other son is DJ Wagner, the number one recruit in the class of 2023. It, it's no secret that Kentucky is an overwhelming leader for that. They probably didn't even need this movement for, you know, the, they didn't need Kareem Watkins to sign at, at Kentucky and, you know, add to him to the, co- to the, to the roster. But at this point, is there anything bigger than a lock than, than DJ Wagner to Kentucky at this point? I'm, I'm not as, as anxious uh, to jump in and give that endorsement yet simply because of the possibility. I don't know what's going to happen with a G League, but the possibility of these guys being able to go pro out of high school by then, you know, I don't know. If, if it was a straight shoot to college, then that would seem very good. Uh, but – who knows right now with, like I say, that, you know, if blood's thicker than water, but man, is it thicker than green? So that's, a, that's yeah. a heck of an analogy right there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you. Uh, so, you know, if he, it is just hard to say no. If, if you take a kid that's that good and trust me, when you talk about guys in, in high school basketball, and you're talking about regardless of class, Wagner's the top third or four. He yeah. may be number two behind Amani Bates. Yeah. Regardless. So, <clears throat> you put him in that, he just looks to me like a guy that they're going to fall all over themselves, you know, to, to draft. It's like, I guess, when Trevor Lawrence comes out of high school. Right. You know, Good comparison. I mean, you've just got the NFL teams just, Tanking when he's, you know, thinking about tanking when he's a freshman. (laughs) So that that's the thing. Uh, So you know that that makes it that makes it tougher. But among colleges, you would have to like where Kentucky's at. But that's the thing, man, about recruiting college basketball. It makes it tougher in football. You've got so many. You know, football players don't go to the NFL out of high school. They don't go overseas and play. They don't go to the developmental league. So the competition is just more than other colleges when you're recruiting in basketball. Yeah. And as you previously discussed and and how stacked the guard classes in 2022 – there's also talk that that DJ Wagner could also reclassify to 2022 as well and create just the most, you know, the deepest, strongest, most talented guard class that I don't know. I mean, unless there's some reclass movement from 2022 to 2021, I mean, that'd be one of the the, the deepest guard classes we've ever seen. I mean, if 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 DJ Wagner does ultimately decide to make the jump, and I love what. 
John Calipari has been able to do in New Jersey. And uh, he, I, I just look at just recruiting hotbeds for him. And I just think that Dallas Metroplex and, of course, Tyrese Maxey was in Houston, so you could say out of Texas in general. But there, uh, the Atlanta area, how many good players has got out of Atlanta. But New Jersey, and then when you get into New Jersey, you narrow it on down to Camden. And, you know, Lance Ware's out of Camden. So, you know, he's got that. And just, you know, his relationships, you know, with the Wagners – like you say, you know, he played at Memphis. I remember when he came in, he was like that first really good guard he had at Memphis. Mm-hmm. You know, when he got back into college. So that relationship is strong. I mean, there's huge family ties there. It all kind of reminds me of, you know, we made another analogy, but it kind of, and Kentucky fans will know about this one. It kind of reminds me of Jamal Mashburn Jr. going to Minnesota mm-hmm. playing Richard Patino. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where you just kind of knew there was no leaks. You know, I worked the Minnesota site for Rivals, and I never talked to Jamal one time. Never talked to his parents. Dad was really nice. He was nice to all of us, all the Kentucky beat writers, but he just – he wouldn't talk recruiting. And uh, you couldn't get anything out of any of them. High school coach wouldn't talk. Uh, AAU coach wouldn't talk. But you just knew, hey, he's going to go Minnesota. I mean, you just kind of felt that way. And so Wagner, you know, is a much better player. And, and of course, I love Mashburn. I, man, I love him. <laughs> but he doesn't have that ceiling that right. uh, that uh, Wagner has. But it's kind of one of those deals right there. Like I say, just as far as colleges go, you're like, okay, if this is what he decides to do, then, yeah, it makes, it makes sense. Yeah, and I almost wonder if there's, if there's kind of an – indirect like you know I scratch your you know scratch my back I scratch yours with having this new walk-on join you know hey we 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 wanted him to you know develop we want him to go to an awesome school you know this would be a great fit for him you know I wonder if there is almost like a handshake agreement well in advance that yeah we know that we're sending DJ to Kentucky even if the G League comes calling, even if just because of the deep ties, and I know that there's there's just so, it's way more complicated than that, and 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 that'd be a tough tough scenario. But uh, he, you're making a, a if he never, and I'm talking about the the young man that just joined the program, Wagner's stepson. If he never sets foot on the floor in a competitive game at Kentucky, and who knows, I don't know, but let let's say he does, he don't, whatever. Um, when you go to Kentucky in that type of situation, now you have made a life investment. Uh, you know what what you're going to do is really is really going to up your tax bracket yeah. when you get to be an adult. And what I mean by that, if you want to be in a basketball world, and I think you would be, uh, you know how many people have come in as walk-ons or managers or something like that in the programs. And, you you know, and, and it might have been at one time, you know, with Dean Smith or or uh, Bobby Knight or somebody like that. I mean, you, you, you look at the people that have gone on from Indiana who were managers, who are now presidents, Lawrence Frank, mm-hmm. president of, 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 of NBA uh, uh, organizations right. and head college coaches right now who came that route. So I think it's huge for him 
that if he wants to get into the basketball world, this is giving the man, this is just like a stepping stone into it. If he wants to get into the business world, uh, you know, there's, there's companies all around Kentucky who uh, obviously could set him up for something like that. So like I say, you're, you're making a life investment. I mean, this is a, this is kind of like going to Stanford on the basketball side. You know, yeah. you, you put yourself in the best possible position to help yourself and and to help your family and create generational wealth uh, on down the road. Yeah, yeah, and just grand scheme of things, I mean, it, it just it it one hundred percent doesn't hurt with DJ. I don't think Kentucky needed any help with him, but if he doesn't take the G League route, if he doesn't, you know, if the one and done rule is in pat is is gone by by that point. You know, if he does reclass up to 2020, I mean, there's just, there's a lot of factors at play here. But if he goes the college route, I I mean, I just I don't see a scenario where it's anywhere but Kentucky. And and you know, you think of that 2022 class, and and just how I mean, there there's a reason that this kid is the consensus number one player in the class. And and as you said, most would take him that number number two spot behind Amani Bates uh, as the best player in all of of high school basketball right now it's just because he is so polished and such a, a, an elite scorer at his age and he, I mean he's already 63 looks like he's growing I mean he could be one of those 6 foot 6 foot 5 6 foot 6 pure scoring guards that that I mean just really just take the world by storm he's that level of talent and if if this is what it takes if Calipari thinks he needed one extra little you know little added boost by adding Dewan Wagner's stepson to the program I am all for it I think it's a you know same thing with like with Oklahoma State adding Cade Cunningham's brother and I know he's a he's a hell of a coach and that, I mean, there's a reason that he's he's on that staff but make no mistake about it I mean they they definitely did it in part so they could get Cade Cade there as well. This is a long-term move, and, and I think it's one that's definitely going to help out Kentucky in the end if they even needed help in the long run. Um, all right, David, I think we can end it here. We can uh, move on to our interview with Sean Smith, but before we go, uh, where can fans find your work? Uh, Cats Illustrated on Arrivals Network and uh, at Coach David Sisk on Twitter. Well, we appreciate you joining us as always. Uh, we look forward to talking to you again next week. And uh, with that, we will go straight into our interview with Sean Smith. We are now happy to be joined once again by Sean Smith of Go Big Blue Country. Sean, how are you? Doing well, Jack. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, we we talked a little bit when when we talked to, with David. I uh, I previewed this, you know, your your segment here, and uh, I said that you are just spreading yourself out too thin, and that you are juggling basketball practices and all this stuff. Your 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 teams are winning by like a hundred uh, from from what I know. So th- that part's at least going well, but. We we, we got to get you to you know take a deep breath here and just enjoy the sweet sounds of our voices and 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 uh, enjoy this uh, uh, this recruiting momentum Kentu- recruiting momentum Kentucky has right now. I definitely need it. That's for sure. And uh, yeah, John Calipari is definitely feeling good right now, Jack. The last two weeks have uh, probably been probably been his best two weeks of 2020. Honestly, 
I don't think that you could pick pick another two weeks that uh, that he would pick over these. So we started with – so, I mean, this was all with packed in within two weeks. So Olivier Saar gets his waiver. Jacob Toppin gets his waiver. Sky Clark commits the very next day. The Just a couple days later, Bryce Hopkins commits. And then uh, I believe less than a week later, Damian Collins adds his commitment to the, to the plate of, of massive success for Calipari. So – Things are just going absolutely, you know, just crazy, crazy right now. Things are going so well for for the Kentucky basketball program. Uh, I, I'm just dying to ask you. Let's talk about Damian Collins and what this recruit, what it, you know, what his commitment means for Kentucky. I, I talked a little bit about David. This recruitment kind of started feeling like this was trending toward Kentucky over the last several weeks, and then I mean, this, the, you know, the. the about like a week before the commitment date, I mean, there were a lot of rumblings that that this was happening and that it was a done deal and that a commitment was imminent. Uh, he then announces announces his commitment date, and makes it official just you know just a week later. You know what what do you think this means for the recruiting class as a whole? You know, in, in terms of uh, of how of of how Collins fits in with the other pieces they already have uh, committed for for I guess both twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, assuming Sky Clark's still an option for a reclass. Well, I think the big thing is is when you look at Cal's best classes over the course of his time at Kentucky, he there's two positions and there's two things that he tries to find a piece around. It's always an elite point guard, and it's always an elite rim, protect, rim protector. Now, in recent years, Jack, they've, they've kind of missed out on a guy, you know, like Damian Collins that's, that's known as an elite rim protector. I think that's the biggest thing about it is now what you have is you you kind of got your guys that you want to get at that point guard position at Hunter Salas, and you've got Scott Clark in 22, and then here's Collins that you fit in. And look, when they put when UK put up the video the other day of the, the kids sitting there watching the highlights, it was Anthony Davis yeah. on the other side <laughs> of the clip, which is uh, I think that might be the first time we've had that comparison when in Kentucky when somebody's committed to Kentucky. So I, I think that's big is you got an elite room protector to go along with all these other pieces. Uh, just look at his wingspan, man. Like that, that kid's going to cover up so much ground. <laughs> uh, the, I mean, the pictures, David and I talked about this. The pictures, the, the they don't even look real. It looks like they're all photoshopped. I mean, he has a seven foot five wingspan, but man, it might even look longer than that. I mean, he, he's he's basically touching his knees whenever his arms are to his side. I mean, it's just it's just absolutely nuts. And yeah, I mean, you bring you know you you bring up a good point. I mean, just every single year. Calipari tries to get that premier front court piece. This past year was Olivier Saar. You know, I mean, the, you, you think of the, you know, I, I talked to David a little bit about this, just the, the value in having that defensive, that elite defensive presence that you know that there is one guy down there. You know, think of that Willie Cauley-Stein, Carl Towns year. Think of Nerlens Noel. Think of Anthony Davis. You go down the long list that Calipari has had at, at Kentucky and think of how much – of an impact those guys made and how much it just changed the whole dynamic of the team. I mean, you look at like that Nerlens Noel team, you'd argue that was the only plus side for that team. I mean, that, that there was just so much value in that and to have it locked up just, you know, before the early signing period even begins. I mean, gosh, it's just, that's just so massive. It's one of those things too, where not only does it improve you defensively and it gives you some wiggle room, to you know, clean up some defensive mistakes. They can pressure the ball a little more now when you got a guy like that on the back end. But here's the key to it is Kentucky always has athletes on the perimeter. They can get out and go and transition. When you have that guy back there that's erasing shots, 
it's almost like a like a long like a missed three pointer with a long rebound. Yeah. You're leaking out in transition, and you're getting opportunities going the other direction. I think that's what's big. And you mentioned all those names, you know, the Nerlens Noel, the Anthony Davis, the Willie Collie Steins. But it's it's crazy to think though, in recent years, they've not had that that guy that's just been on the elite end of things. Nick Richards, you know, he anchored the paint and was a, enough size. Yeah, he did his job. There, yep. But but you're talking about a guy that. I mean, that highlight video of him on the dunk, on oh, the yeah. lob, where he literally <laughs> had his head on the rim, that that's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, you talk to – you know, we had his coach on you know, a couple weeks back. We had him on, and, you know, he said, my goal this year is to be a, a triple-double threat where I'm going to average 10 blocks a game. Do you realize how nuts that is that his <laughs> his goal for the year is, yeah, I think I'm going to go out and average – not, oh, I'm, I hope I get one game of 10 blocks this year. I want to average 10 blocks a game and, and make that – you know, make me a true triple double threat with blocks. That's just—I mean, that's just absurd. And and uh, the, his coach also had that hilarious quote where I asked him, you know, what would be your scouting report for for him if you had to go up against him? He said, "I'm gonna be honest. I, I would go home the night before and I would pray really, really, really hard and just hope for the best because there is nothing that you could do to stop this kid, especially in that area down there. So, I mean, holy, holy crap." It's just so it's just such a good thing for Cal, especially during the global pandemic where recruiting is just so weird. But you kind of see the blue blood still feasting off of who they are. And there was a point, Jack, where two or three months ago we're sitting here wondering, like, you know, where's where's Kentucky really going with this class? Where where are things gonna fall? Where are the dominoes coming from? We mentioned the front court. Where are those guys? Because we really didn't have an idea of who they were. Bryce Hopkins was still committed to Louisville. Damian Collins looked like he was a lock for a Big 12 school. Mm -hmm. And then here you are, what, two and a half months later? And it's kind of – it's been a slow developing thing. But when you really watched it from afar, if you had an insight on what was going on, you could see all this kind of coming together. And now the whole Jay Lucas and all this with the changes on on the staff, it all makes sense now that this was a plan that's been in place since late since late summer yeah and I mean on that note Jay Lucas what was so funny to me is they didn't UK didn't even like go out of their way to announce this change it was just John Calipari going on Twitter and and just you know rambling on a on a video where he said that Jay Lucas back in September got promoted I mean he hadn't even been on campus for two months and he got promoted to a full-time assistant job Tony Barbie got got you know he's now the associate head coach and it's now Jay Lucas Joel Justice and Bruiser Flint as as Kentucky's main assistants and we've talked about that several times that that is the staff of the future he you know you, it's always good to have a nice veteran presence uh, like a, a Bruiser Flint that, you know, he's charismatic, he has a great personality, but he's been doing it forever. Uh, you know, it, it's it's nice to have a guy like that on, on, your, on your recruiting staff, but to have a guy like Joel Justice and Jay Lucas as, as your number one and number two options as you're recruiting, I mean, I'd argue that there's not a better staff in college basketball right oh. now. No, when when in-person recruiting returns and you send out Joel Justice and you send out Jay Lucas, uh, you're not sending out two guys that have more fire and energy and young legs than those two. And then you have Cal to kind of wrap things up. And I, I love the moves with the coaching staff. I feel like it makes perfect sense, uh, even for Robic. You know, Robic's going to take over some of the scheduling aspect of things, which is a lot of what Dwayne Peavy did. So it kind of looks like they're maybe absorbing that and giving some of that to Robic. And then Tony Barbie – 
Jack, I, I think that we can both agree at some point here in the near future, you could see Barbie going back and taking over a program somewhere in college basketball. And I think that this is kind of grooming him to kind of, you know, move on to that because mm-hmm. he's going to be doing nothing but game planning instead of the the recruiting and stuff during this time. And it, it kind of lets you, it lets you get all of your eggs in one basket and kind of spread them out at the same time too, because they're all going to get to do what makes them really good and what makes them so helpful and valuable to the staff. And I think that's what makes the most sense. And boy, uh, John Calipari looks, it, it looks like it right when you, when you have people think that maybe Cal's getting a little outdated with things, he always comes up and does something like this to where he looks like a genius. Yeah. And I think you bring up a heck of a point, the, the Tony Barbie thing, you, you know, when the Jay Lucas news was was going on, and I was trying to you know talk to people at UK and and try to confirm that there, I mean there were rumblings about it you know, a couple of days before. We actually talked about it on the phone while it was you know while it was kind of in the works slash oh the, there's rumors of this happening and, and you know right before it got confirmed, you know I I had asked around and I was like there's something I'm missing here. Somebody has to go in order for Jay Lucas to join the staff, and I was like. Is you know, I was asking around. I was like, "Is John Robick retiring?" You know, there's been some r- rumors that you know he's been coaching forever. He's been on Calipari's staff since the beginning. You know, maybe he, his time's done. He's he's wanted to, to get out. You know, whatever the case is. And I was told by somebody at, you know very close to the program that said, "Don't worry about John Robick. If there's anybody to keep a close eye on, it's Tony Barbie. He's a guy that has been." You know, he's been at Kentucky. You know, he, he in the past, he's coached in the SEC. He's been a high major head coach in, in college basketball. And, you know, guys like that don't stick around forever. They they go to uh, Kentucky to learn under the best, learn under John Calipari, move up in the ranks, and then, you know, use it for a, a stepping stool for another opportunity. And, and I wouldn't be shocked at all if this was kind of a writing-on-the-wall move for Kentucky that said – you, you know, I think Jay Lucas is the future. Tony Barbie is is going to, you know, however long it takes, maybe it's this year, maybe it's next year that, that he gets a head coaching job. But I think as – I think you, you bring up a great point. I think the current moves the, – the current roles that they have right now are best suited for their futures and their future roles being Tony Barbie's – you know, right now he's the associate head coach. He's going to be groomed as a future head coach somewhere else you know, learning what it takes to be a head coach again, and, and kind of get his get get his his legs back under him as as a head coach in this current role. Jay Jay Lucas being the you know one of the top recruiting options, one of the main other options as as a full time assistant. I just think it was just a, such an awesome awesome move by Calipari to just say screw it. I know you've only been here for a month, but why not? This is this is what we're going for in the future. Why not just do it right now? I just thought it was a brilliant move. Uh, absolutely. And to with Jay Lucas, I don't think we've talked about this so many times. We've we've written about it. We've heard we've read other people, you know, input and opinions on it. But just it's so huge because the state of Texas in the class of 2022 makes up a significant amount of the top recruits in the country. And you've got a guy who has his you know, has ties to that state mm-hmm. on your staff now. You already oh, yeah. see what it's done. Look, Damian Collins, it was Kentucky and the Big 12. Yep. Kentucky was the outlier, and they pulled this kid. Because when it all happened, you know, when Jay went to Kentucky, here's Oklahoma hoping that they have a chance, and they just they didn't take advantage of it, Jack. And here's mm-hmm. Kentucky that, that took advantage of it. And it happened quickly, honestly. And here's Jay. I, I think that's the most exciting thing for Kentucky fans is uh, – 
they've been they've been screaming for years now. You know, we you got to get more of a punch on the recruiting trail. Joel's starting to come along and and do his thing, but they they wanted more. Like ever ever since Antigua left, it was the you know what's happened to Kentucky's big men recruiting. What's happened to this part of their game? Uh, I think you're going to see Kentucky basketball go back to how they were those first four or five years of John Calipari era here pretty soon. I think that that's what's trending towards that. And 2022 is probably one of the perfect places to start, start honestly. And, and I'm here to tell you, there, there are rumblings in, in, you know, basketball, just recruiting circles, just, you know, basketball circles as, as a whole that, you know, I don't know if you saw the, the, the rumors that, that John Lucas, Jay's dad was in, in talks to, to become the head coach at, of the Houston Rockets. And I think he just officially joined as an assistant in the last couple days, but when there were, you know, when when there were rumblings that that John Lucas was going to be hired as the head coach of the Rockets, there were very very high profile basketball minds out there that are not, you know, not you know, they're not basketball recruiting guys. They're not, you know, co- even college basketball guys. They're just brilliant basketball minds. They were the ones vouching and, and saying, if I'm if I'm the Houston Rockets, I hire John Lucas right now and I talk to Kentucky and buy out Jay Lucas's contract and, and hire him as an assistant with the Houston Rockets and groom him for the future. That's how highly people think of Jay Lucas right now. That no, not not just as a college basketball standout, not but they think he's such a brilliant basketball mind that he's going to end up being a high profile NBA coach one day. That's who Kentucky has on their coaching staff right now. And as we saw, I mean, yeah, you, you brought up another great point. It's one thing to, to add a guy like that onto the staff and say, oh, he's known as a heck of a recruiter. He got Greg Brown to Texas. He got, you know, he helped with Mohamed Bamba. He helped with this guy. He helped with that guy. You know, it's, it's one thing to say that. And it's another thing to actually get that first commitment, get get that get that ball rolling with that first guy. And he got him within month, like within a couple months. I mean, he just gets added onto the staff, and he says, "Yep, I'm going to go hand pluck this guy. I'm going to go hand pluck this guy." I, you know, he and you, would, you get him without him even stepping foot on campus. It, and that's that, another that's half the thing, of the battle. Like that's the thing about it is you you get a kid to come all the way across the country, you know, to the state of Kentucky. And that's why I think that you can't undersell how big Jay Lucas is for Kentucky basketball. And I know some people are probably like, well, it's probably a big statement, but I think it's one of the biggest moves recruiting or staff wise that has been made in, in the last five or six years at Kentucky. Genuinely. I just think it was, I just think it was massive that, that they got him. Uh, and two, it's even bigger too, because he played at Texas. He played mm-hmm. at Texas. He coached at Texas, has all those relationships in that state. And he left, because he, I think he sees the opportunity of what it means at Kentucky. I could see Jay being at Kentucky for a long time and kind of grooming himself to, you know, take a big role in college basketball or a different level of basketball. Honestly, I mean, there, there were a lot of rumblings after after Kenny Payne left the program that that Calipari, you know, kind of told him to the side and said, "Look, we want you to be the head coach at Kentucky whenever your time comes. Whenever I'm done, whenever I'm done at Kentucky, I want you to be the replacement. I want you to take over. But I, I'm just here to tell you, with how well respected Jay Lucas is in the game right now, and how you know how established he is as a head, as a as a as a recruiter, as you know, talented he is as a coach, just as a, as a basketball mind. 
I wouldn't be shocked if down the road. I'm not saying he's the you know the the the, the next in line at Kentucky. I'm not saying if Calipari retired in the next five years or whatever that he would get that job. I think he's he's just a little bit too young. Um, shoot, it might even be a Kenny Payne first and then Jay Lucas. But I'm telling you. I know it's early, but he's one of those guys that, that he is so well-respected and people really value that That down the road, I would not be shocked at all if this is something that, that turns in, into a very, very long-term investment for the program. Yeah, and, and two, Kentucky basketball recruiting, it's national. I mean, they, they cover the entire you know map in the United States. Uh, but the connections that he has to the state of Texas in a state that has been really good to John Calipari, I mean, you can name multiple guys that have come from Texas that Cal has had that are top recruits. That I just think it's a huge move. And two, it, I think it made the most sense for Jay. And I know we're kind of knocking something that's that's been happening for you know happened two months ago, but I just don't think it can be overstated how big this move was. And two, here's Jay, Jack. That how long is Shaka Smart going to be at Texas? That's you know true. I mean? He, he yeah. kind of had to look at that and say, okay, I can stay here and do these things, or I can go and get some stability. And honestly, there's all, there's not many jobs out there in college basketball that are more stable than Kentucky. I mean, that's just how it is. Even at Duke, you know, Coach K, he's been there for forever, but there are room, you know, there have been rum, you know, rumors about him potentially leaving Duke or you know re- retiring at some point. You know, I mean, he's he's getting older. I mean, he's you know, had some health issues. I mean he would be a guy that in the next several years, it would not be a shock at all to hear that he, that he retires. And, you know, outside of that, you know, Bill Self with the NCAA stuff and, and, you know, Sean, Sean Miller at at Arizona with his NCAA stuff, you look throughout the college basketball world. I don't think there is a more stable job than, than Kentucky basketball. If, if as long as Calipari is there and as long as you're a well-respected dude and you're doing your job, you could stay as long as you want. Think about Kenny Payne. He stayed, he did his thing and he was there for 10 years. He, he would have been welcome for another 40 if he wanted to, he just got a better opportunity in the New York Knicks. So, I mean, however long Jay Lucas wants to be here, he's going to keep moving up the ladder, and I would not be shocked if at one point in the distant future, it, you know, he's a, he's a big, big-time deal like Kentucky, maybe even a head coach at some point. He's just, he's just got that level of, well, of clout to him. And, two, I think that would be something to watch what I said a minute ago about Shaka Smart, too, is, you know, where Texas goes. And we know the relationships that he has there. Uh, but I think for Cal, if you could get – if you get five, six years out of Jay Lucas, you've made a move that has paid off big time. And, and Jack, for what they lost in Kenny Payne and what they gained in Jay Lucas, you couldn't have scripted a better replacement to go on staff. And then you got Bruiser Flint there. In addition who, to Bruiser. Somebody that yep. Cal trust. I just think it all those moves that we kind of scratched our heads at when we would have those late night phone conversations <laughs> we're like, what in the hell are they doing? <laughs> True. It all makes, it all makes sense now because you and I were always like, what? Well, the night I called you and told you about the, uh, the Jay Lucas yeah. and you're like, Oh my. And then it just, from there on out, we've been sitting here thinking, what are they doing? And now it finally makes sense that it wasn't just total chaos. Everything had a purpose and it, fell into place it did it absolutely did all right well I know you got you you got some some basketball stuff to do you got some coaching to do uh you're a busy busy man but uh, Sean we really appreciate you hopping on with us and and uh you know taking the time to pick your brain a little bit about some basketball recruiting yeah I always love being on Jack I appreciate it it's good to kind of sit down for 15 20 minutes and just take a deep breath and uh 
talk about a different talk about a different basketball team than the one that I'm in charge of. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Sean. Well, uh, we appreciate you. And before we let you go, where can fans find your work? Uh, you can find my work on Twitter at GBB Country or at GoBigBlueCountry.com. All right, and uh, with that, you can find me on Twitter as well, at Jack Pilgrim KSR. Reach out to me via email at jpilgrim at kentuckysportsradio.com. With that, we will be back next week for another jam-packed Sources Say podcast. We will see you then.